last month when I was shopping for makeup and um, I was in the middle of Brooklyn and I, I went to the counter and I was checking out and they were giving me samples and they offered a sample of a concealer and I was like wonderful like you know I'm running out let me grab it let me grab a sample and she had one shade and it was a very light beige I mean this is last month in the middle of Brooklyn and the fact that you know she didn't necessarily even see the issue with that and I was like you know we were never even included in the thought process behind that you're listening to chats with Kat where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization overcoming fear and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through let's start that right here right now Invest in your skin. It's going to represent you for a very long time. That is a quote by Lyndon Tyler. And I hope that my boyfriend Frank is listening to this right now because he always gives me shit about the tinctures that I have in our bathroom and that I put too much effort into my skincare routine. And I'm like, dude, this is very important. He doesn't get it, but I have a feeling that you do. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Chats with Kat. I hope you are all doing great. In this week's episode, we're going to chat with the founder of Rude Girl Beauty, Manasa Reddy. Manasa is dedicated to representing the needs of black and brown women in the realm of skincare and makeup. As many of you know, women of color have to consider different needs when looking into skincare routines or just trying to find makeup that actually matches their skin. After one particular instance, that was not very pleasant at a popular makeup store, Manasa decided that enough was enough and she created a platform that does not ignore black and brown skin but instead celebrates it and keeps it at the center of all things considered. Throughout our chat, we discussed the mission behind her platform, the impact of colorism in India, many skincare stories, and much more. As always, if there's any advice or messages shared that you think somebody that you know could really benefit from, please make sure to share this episode. Without any further delay, here is Manasa. Hi, Manasa. Hi. Thank you for chatting with me tonight. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to get this conversation going because you started an amazing platform, Rude Girl Beauty. Yes. That I think is in many ways revolutionary. And I'm just like just super honored to expose your your platform on my platform and bring awareness to the importance of opportunities for women of color to come together to celebrate beauty in their own right and in their own words and um yeah I'm just so grateful that you're here I'm so excited to be here so for those that are not familiar with your brand can you tell them a bit about what you're trying to do so rude girl beauty um is a beauty blog specifically um centered on and really vitalized by women of color um but Really what I want to do is is so much more than just a beauty blog. It's about creating a community, creating a discussion, and, and also making women that previously have not been um, heard by, like, the larger narrative around beauty feel heard and feel included. Um, so not only do I review some of my favorite products because, you know, as – 
you might know, and as we were talking before, it is so difficult to find products that really cater to us. So like not just highlighting that, but also like highlighting women that I feel like are super inspirational, which is my favorite part of the blog, which is called Our Favorite Rude Girls. And these are really women that are like moving, shaking, breaking, molding, creating conversations in the industries that they're in. Um, in making spaces that really weren't there before. Um, and that I think is really kind of like the bloodline of the blog is really like creating that, that community and highlighting, um, women that, that are inspirational. Mm -hmm. I think many people who are not people of color will look at this and think, what's the big deal? Why do they have to have their own blog? Why Mm -hmm. can't they just go to another blog? that talks about beauty there's millions of them and why community will in fact come because of it it actually goes to so i mean this is this is like something that you know i've been experiencing my entire life i can go through all the stories of like when i was younger and i like first started wearing makeup and you know they never had my shade of foundation or they never had my shade of lipstick but i mean even as recent as i mean as you know we were saying before is last month when I was shopping for makeup and um I was in the middle of Brooklyn and I I went to the counter and I was checking out and they were giving me samples and they offered a sample of a concealer and I was like wonderful like you know I'm running out let me grab it let me grab a sample and she had one shade and it was a very light beige I mean this is last month in the middle of Brooklyn and the fact that you know she didn't necessarily even see the issue with that and I was like you know that shade like that we were never even included in in the thought process behind that you know it wasn't even like oh you know maybe we should offer multiple shades or maybe we should not even offer this at all because we cannot accommodate all the skin tones that are out there um so unfortunately it's something that I think women of color experience all the time what is that do to the psyche how does that begin to mold the way that women of color perceive themselves it makes us feel like an afterthought and when we are included i feel like in many ways it can feel tokenized yeah i agree so we are not ever the center and that was that was really the whole impetus behind Rude Girl Beauty is to, you know, make women of color not feel like an afterthought. Mm. Um, I think that it's not only something that we have to deal with, like, in the beauty industry, but really in, like, every kind of interaction that we have, um, whether that is in media, whether that's, like, on Instagram, whether that's, you know, watching tv it always feels like an afterthought and this was my like small way of trying to push against that i love that and i have definitely felt like that in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways it's something that unfortunately um is just the norm yeah and that's why i think platforms like yours are so important because it is the center yeah you know it is the you're not finding yourself in the mainstream media but you will find yourself here and you're going to be celebrated and you're beautiful you know um i'm really curious to know what you think about the idea that makeup is 
stupid because it basically teaches women that they have to cover up and that they're not pretty enough al- already. And as we were talking about before, yeah. this is really much so of an argument coming from the male yeah. side. And they don't really understand what makeup does for us. Yeah. But I have not been able to find the words to explain mm-hmm. what it is. When I'm confronted with that idea, I'm just always like, you don't get it. Like, you don't <laughs> understand what I'm doing. I don't want to have a highlighter on. You know? I agree. <laughs> so can you maybe try to mm-hmm. explain why makeup is something that is so special for the for women for women in particular and uh just in general because i don't want to just limit it to women right just what is the beauty behind the idea of putting on makeup you know i used to feel really guilty about about my obsession with makeup i like as you were saying i felt like i was really playing into a patriarchal ideal of beauty um and i think that um with makeup and with like the larger kind of story around beauty it's really starting to change because you're starting to see an emergence of not just bloggers but um, brands that are pushing the idea of like this traditional notion of beauty Um, it's not just like this like very pretty kind of woman that has like long lashes and pouty lips it's you know a woman who is expressing her strength and being bold in her makeup it's not necessarily what is conventionally beautiful Um, and I think that when you start to have women reclaiming that narrative and writing that story for themselves it is a powerful way to talk about beauty and it's a powerful way to talk about makeup because it takes it back as our own it reclaims it as our own it's no longer something that is done in response to or for men yeah you know there are so many women I know aren't like, okay, I'm going to put on this makeup because it's going to make me attractive to men. I'm going to put on this makeup because it makes me feel good and because my girlfriends are going to love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? It, and it's it's also, I think, you're starting to see, like, women feel more, like, they can take more risks with makeup. Like, as we were saying, like, you're not putting on that super bright eyeshadow or that, like, glitter lid or the purple lipstick because you think it makes you attractive to the opposite sex. Like, yeah. you're doing that because it's fun and because yeah. you want to do it. Exactly. They don't notice those yeah. things. Yeah. And, I mean, like, if they do, it's just like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But when you're with your girls, they'll be like, okay, exactly. Well, <laughs> I'm loving it. You know, they'll yeah, ask you yeah, all yeah. the questions. Yeah. How have your friends received your platform? It's been it's been really amazing, um, especially I feel like I'm really lucky to have a group of friends that like not just like really support me, but also like very much challenge me. Um, in what ways? In the way in the ways that I think about in the ways that I think about myself, honestly, I think that um it's so it's really difficult kind of being in your mid 20s and and trying to like do your own thing and start your own thing and I think that honestly like a lot of us can be our we can be our our own biggest critic um and 
having a group of friends that like not just challenge the way that you think of the world which I do have which is amazing but also challenging the way that you think of yourself in terms of like every time you know you're like "Mm, I don't know like I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I should do this having that person be like no you really can and like that I think has been the most critical like part for me and that is is what I think has really like held me up Mm -hmm. are most of your friends women of color as well um Yes, and I I do, I think that it's, it's like such a, 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 like, intimate connection that you have. That's what I figured, yeah. With women of color, I think it's almost like it goes kind of without saying. There's like a shared feeling of um, just like strength and understanding. Um, But that's not to say that I, I can't get that from, you know, other people or, or my other friends that are not women of color but of but there's definitely uh, that bond yeah of course there's that shared experience yeah gone the shared experience that feeling as well of uh, going to a makeup store and being offered yeah. a concealer that does not <laughs> exactly. match them at all so i mean they must feel like i'm so appreciative that you're doing this because it's almost like you're speaking to their needs and they also give me ideas uh, yes, amazing. <laughs> because they're like, you know what, Monica, like this is like something that I'm really having an issue with. And I was like, and I'm like, OK, yes, like that's my next that is my next uh, article. That's my next blog. That's my next oh. interview. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the like what are some of your favorite things to cover? I mean, aside from obviously the amazing inspirational women that you feature on there, what are some things that you feel like a lot of women are drawn to now in particular? I'm assuming self-care in terms of skincare and like finding the right products to maybe help with scars or Mm -hmm. under eye circles or something because that's what I always look look for, honestly. But yeah, what are some things that you're noticing that a lot of women are looking for? Um, So I have a section on my blog called What Not To Do and a lot of women keep asking me um, about this section just because I feel like when you talk to a woman about beauty, I mean, they can tell you what works, but they can almost spend longer telling you what they tried and did not work. True. And so like the idea behind this was really to save women the time and the money because we spend so much of it on things that don't work. And, like, one of my latest experiences with that was, like, the laser facials. Mm -hmm. They just didn't work for me. And I had one friend recommend it who absolutely loved it. And she's very, like, fair-skinned. And it it worked for her. But it just didn't work for me. And I remember also, like, what was very weird about it is that I went to – there are, like, those 15-minute laser facials that you can go to in the city. And, like, one of my friends who is the same – complexion as I am and I'm like a very like dark brown was turned away because she was like too dark and but they like for whatever reason said that I can go because apparently you can't do it if you're like have a certain skin tone but for for whatever reason they were inconsistent with who they picked could do it and who they couldn't but like it really just didn't work for me um and I think that it was like you know I think that lasers do work for darker skin but I think that you need to go to a special doctor. And I also have this like actual horror story about, about laser. So I have, um, when I was in high school, 
well, even before that, like middle school, I had really bad back knee. I know that's so gross, no, but, that, <laughs> so, most of us but like did. a lot of people yeah, do. Yeah. And so I had really bad back knee. And so I went to a doctor to get my um, back lasered. Yeah. And, you know, he is, he, he was supposed to be a really great doctor, like graduated from like a top medical school. I felt, you know, comfortable going in. And then when he did the procedure, um, I noticed that during the procedure, it was burning a lot and I was like okay you know it's a laser it's got to get you know the scars off that's fine and then a week after my back was like still very red two weeks after the redness started to go away but what emerged were these um thick like black scars from it was an imprint of the laser and they were in like perfect lines on my back and I was like okay maybe it's just you know something that happens immediately after but will go away and you know a month later two months later a year later they're still there they were still there oh my gosh it took two years for those to go away and it was because the laser that he used was laser the intensity that he used was the intensity that you use for white skin and for and you can use a higher intensity for white skin than you can for darker skin because darker skin can scar more so you're not supposed to use the same intensity and I guess he just didn't know that and so I had those scars for two years did you ever go back and tell him I did what did he say and he you know he was just like he gave me some ointments and you know it was it was a really like it was a really difficult thing for me to to deal with and it also like was another experience that I had where I was like this is why I need to create this blog is because you have the you have doctors that have been trained at the best medical schools in the country not realizing that you cannot use the same intensity of laser for women of color that you do for white women yeah it almost makes you think when they are being trained, when they're going through school, is this just not something that's ever brought up? Like, come on, you really cannot approach every single skin tone the same way. I know. It really makes you think. Like, it no, makes you think. Everything was just like the scale was just white skin. That's it. Yeah. That's literally it. Yeah, I remember feeling like, well, my dermatologist, I ended up going to a, um, a dermatologist in Miami who was like a specialized in darker skin because i was like i don't yeah. want to go through that i don't want to have to go through that feeling of like do they even know what they're talking about and i remember growing up feeling like that like yeah mm, i don't think that this is going to work for me or like when you tell them something they don't really understand why yeah. you're saying that because their other patients don't have that problem you yeah know? and then you start to feel embarrassed you're like you know what maybe exactly. it's just maybe it's just me like maybe i'm being difficult and then it's like and then you have to take a step back and be like, no, it's not you. Yeah. It's them. You know, they should know these things. And, you know, you should be able to ask those questions and you should also be able to get the right service for you, you yeah. know? Yeah. So how do women even begin to demand that, you know? I think that it's, I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about with with Fenty it was that like there is just so much pent-up demand for these things that like when Fenty first came out I mean all their darker shades were completely sold out like and I think that having those moments were such a was such a wake-up call for the industry because then it was like that 
um, the day that it launched, you know, like afterwards, all these brands were like coming out of the woodworks being yeah. like, these are all the shades that we we're have. Inclusive now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think that like having those moments like really kind of opens the door for like um, for for other for like women of color. And I also think just like having the conversation um, and hopefully that's like something that that my blog can do is like create that community, create that conversation where it's like, OK, I need X, Y and Z and I'm like this skin tone. Like hopefully I have, a, you know, I have a resource that can help me with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm sure that you invite different opinions about things and you want women to contribute and like send over as much information yeah. as they can about things that they obviously try and stuff. Right. So like, do you accept submissions and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would I am like I want to hear from from women. I think that right now, you know, given that I've recently launched, a lot of that is being done in person. So um, I'm having, so you know what's funny is that I actually went to go see um, Cleo Wade yeah. speak here. Yeah, yeah here at the too. wing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And when she was, so she was talking about how her and her girlfriends do this thing called goddess dinners. I'm going to start doing <laughs> that. <laughs> Funny. And when she said, blew my mind. It blew my mind. I looked it up, and that's not a thing. No, it's not. She like it was. She created it, and it was. It's such a beautiful thing. And literally, when she said that, like me and my girlfriends looked at each other. We're like, oh my god. We're like, we need to do. (laughs) We need to do do goddess dinner. And I love like when she was talking about it, and like someone asked her, like, what exactly is a goddess dinner? And her response was, it's everything that you (laughs) imagine it to be. And so I was like, I want to do this for my blog. Like, I want to have, like, these goddess parties. And so I had, like, my first party here at the wing, which was amazing. Um, But I want to keep doing this. And so right now, a lot of my community building is, like, in person. But, like, as this platform continues to grow, I definitely want to expand it to to an online community. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's so many people who wish they could meet you and be here in person. But, like, they live elsewhere or whatever. Yeah. And want to feel part of the conversation as well you know yeah oh, definitely amazing. that's so funny that that sat with you because it did with me too oh my gosh. i literally like wrote it down i was like me too it's it was amazing okay you have to let me know when you're gonna oh yeah that. we're gonna have a goddess party. Epic. <laughs> like candles everywhere and it's like all like beautiful and, like, oh ornate. yeah oh, my i feel like that's an event we could pitch at the wing actually i agree they actually have that really big table over there yeah we could like set it perfect up. venue yeah so you know within all of this what's the one message that you would get out to the world if you could um I think one of the things and it really comes from like a personal space is that like it actually took me um a very long time for me to feel comfortable in my own self um and that was not just because I, you know, am a a woman of color, but also because like I am, um, I have like, I'm a dark skinned woman of color. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, part of it was also the fact that like, I didn't see people that looked like me. I didn't like have spaces that were for me. And if there's one thing that I can say, it's that like, we see you and we hear you. And like, 
be like I, I want women to feel comfortable and strong in who they are because I never felt that for a, for a long time and it was something that very much had to be self-taught mm. and I'm just hoping that with like the next generation of women that's something that comes more naturally to them than it did to me mm-hmm. well actually like on that note what was your childhood like in terms of seeing representation of women in the media and stuff because I know for myself I always looked for it there mm-hmm. like when you're watching tv or whatever movies it's like well like who looks like me you yeah. know it's, it was so affirming and then to not have that it kind of starts to plant seeds of well I guess nobody sees me mm-hmm. so what was that experience like for you was it similar definitely mm-hmm. um I think that you know people always talk about like representation in media and you have no idea like or you know people have no idea the effect that has subconsciously on specifically women of color. Um, And I think what's also like very important given like the prevalence of colorism within communities of color is not just seeing like women of color that are kind of like these idealized senses of like beauty seen through like the white eye, but like actual like, you know, authentic representations of the culture and of the people yeah and so i think that that was you know something that just was not there when i was growing up mm-hmm. and like was that something that you were able to talk about with the women in your life did they understand that struggle too definitely you know it's really funny because something that we can all laugh about now is that like so in the indian community this um, cream called Fair and Lovely is, heard of it. yeah, it's, mm-hmm. pro- I mean, you honestly will see it on like, and and all the like Indian women that I know, like their parents had Indian television growing up, like you had the satellite. And so you would like watch TV and there would be commercials for Fair and Lovely. And like now we can all look back on it and like laugh and be like, oh my gosh, how silly was that? But like as a very impressionable, like 13 year old girl who is going through all these like self-identity like crises that's you know not the imagery you should be seeing but it would literally show like a dark-skinned woman going into an interview and like just her being turned away and then her going home like really sad and depressed and then picking up fair and lovely and then putting it on her skin and then she was reintroduced to the world as like this gorgeous lighter-skinned woman and then she got the job and she got the guy and she got everything it makes me want to cry yeah i know and it's like horrible and so you know talking about those experiences and like the effect that those images had on us like right now I feel like you know there's a community that like I feel like I can talk to about that who have those shared experiences um but you know how do we get those images out of like young women's faces you know is that something that's still being pushed over there yeah you know fair and lovely is still something that is that is very prevalent um and the way that it's done also in like that it shows women not just like being you know insecure but also like the very tangible effects that it has on their lives like oh like you want that new job you need to get lighter skin you want that guy who doesn't want to pay you any attention you need lighter skin i mean to make those connections 
so real. It's, and then, like you said, it's like these young girls are yeah. learning to hate themselves. 100%. So early on. So early on. And then how do you expect them to, like, they obviously become adults. Yeah. And they have children who they'll pass those thoughts on to because they yeah. think that that is the best way to live life and that's yeah. the way to progress yeah you know and it's just like it really breaks my heart to see that i i went to i went to asia last year and i was in thailand and i went to like a corner store and mm-hmm. like they were selling bleaching cream there and i was like <laughs> what the f- what the hell and then i went to india and i was i stayed in delhi mm-hmm. and um for the first time i realized that i was basically being like in the states i i only had a very limited view of like what indian women looked like Mm -hmm. and then once i was there i was like why have i never seen indian women like this before yeah like i feel like so much more connected to these women than i did to whatever other images that i saw of indian women which were not very many unfortunately um and it just kind of blew my mind and then when i got back here it just really made me wonder like what is like what is real and how are we being taught what a certain group of people even really look like 100 percent. you know because it's like well we can look at the tv and assume that it's like well if we only have tv to look at and we assume that that is the representation of a certain population right then th- th- it's, it's all wrong it's yeah. false because you go to that country and like people yeah. do not look like that i agree i don't know how we go about changing that um what i also think is very interesting is that i was recently at um, this event for the Tide Film Festival, which is essentially a film festival that like um, celebrates and promotes the work for like women of color, and um, one of the one of like this one of the women working on um, the Tide Film Festival, she's like this amazing woman, was talking about her experiences growing up, and she's also um, an Indian woman and she was saying that like she grew up in a town that was very homogenous um mostly white and how she did not um see people around her that she could relate to culturally but what would have completely changed her perspective on herself was that if she at least saw those representation like a representation of herself on tv um and it also like gives you a completely different viewpoint of like how important that is because you think about that person that like one brown or black kid in like that all white school who might feel really lonely but who might get that sense of community by turning on that tv show and relating to that other black or brown kid on that show that they cannot experience in real life but they can experience through that me- through the media yeah exactly yeah it really is a privilege to always see yourself mm-hmm. somewhere yeah and in so many different ways too like doing different things and embodying different personalities or whatever mm-hmm. and then it's like for people of color like we're always typically like limited to very few uh representations and when we when we draw it back to actually having people of color like yeah. dark-skinned people of color across all cultures the media portrays darker skinned people as being less yeah that really does start to take a toll yeah you know one of the most interesting things i heard was um when moonlight came out and everyone was talking about moonlight and they were saying they were talking about the privilege of 
you know, people who are not people of color, but like their privilege of being able to be portrayed as full and whole human beings. That like as people of color, you're just not. Mm -hmm. You are not presented as a person who has a range of emotions, a range of capabilities, a range of interests, hobbies, you know, yeah. A full intellect and a full like emotional range. Yeah. It's it's exactly that. Yeah. And um, you know, like you're on the other side of that and you're just looking like, Well, I look like that, but I don't I don't act like that. Yeah. Why would you think that all of us act like that? Yeah. And then it kind of makes you feel defensive because then when you go out into the world and you are around people who don't look like you, you feel like you have to compensate. Yeah. Because they were not exposed to the reality. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Yeah. It really sucks. I don't know how we got here, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like hella deep, but it's true. It's very deep. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but um I, yeah, I, I think you yeah. understand that. You understand yeah. that. I mean, like I grew up in a Dominican culture where colorism is prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um just preferring lighter skin is a thing. And yeah. it, it, and within Dominican culture it's a very blatant thing. Just like they won't say they won't like necessarily promote skin bleaching creams, but they will promote like relaxers so that women with like curly textures have it pinched straight so you can <laughs> yeah. try to look as European as possible. It's like yeah. in other ways it's manifested itself, but it's like it's just insane to grow up and just kind of like have more exposure to the world and be like, Well, you guys are going through that and you mm-hmm. too and you too and you too. Yeah. It's just like it's everywhere. Yeah. So going back to your platform <laughs> is important because not only will it impact Indian women, but mm-hmm. it'll just impact women of color. One hundred percent. Yeah, we all need this. Yeah, we literally all need it. And I love that what not to do section because it really is <laughs> yeah. gonna save a lot of time. Like even if like, and money and money yes. and just like embarrassment and like you know shit the shit that like you wouldn't even think about because it's like you're just you're going into thing into things with like the the best intention like oh, yeah fix this thing or like want to get rid of this and then you end up going and you end up messing up your skin even more than you had it before and then it's you like, end up having scars for two years oh my <laughs> gosh i'm still i'm so upset about that i can't believe that i know like, i we know we need to push some kind of curriculum change within like, the dermatology school or that's something. the next project <laughs> <laughs> that's in 10 years ten right years. that's the vision yeah oh, well I'm sure everybody wants to follow you now and like learn more about your platform. So where can they find you? Oh, um, you can find me on Instagram at Rude Girl Beauty. Um, I also have um, a blog, www.rudegirlbeauty.com. Um, and follow me and also like feel free to reach out to me. I have my email on my Instagram. Like I'm always wanting to hear from people just like either you know stuff that you tried that you liked or stuff that you tried that you didn't or also just like your your story your experiences i want to hear it all yes i love it i love it, I love it. <laughs> well thank you so much for thank you for having me. me this is great this was so much fun I hope you all enjoyed our chat. You can keep up with Rude Girl Beauty on Instagram at Rude Girl Beauty and on RudeGirlBeauty.com. Thank you for listening and we will chat next week. That was this week's episode. I really hope you all enjoyed it. If there's anything you'd like to chat about, send an email to cat at catlantigo.com and I will make sure to get back to you. You can keep up with me in between episodes by following cat.lantigua on Instagram and heading to catlantigua.com to opt in to receive my weekly newsletters. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.
I'm sending you all lots of love, light, and good vibes. We'll chat next week.